Welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, why Kyle Anderson's presence will make Torian Prince that much more valuable and why both players are fantastic fits on the Wolves reserve unit. We'll also talk about Alex Rodriguez and the news related to the Timberwolves ownership group. Could there be an issue with A-Rod and Mark Laurie's group moving forward? I'll tell you why. I'm not concerned about it. Coming up on the show here today, welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beek and I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Hump Day. And a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, including, of course, Apple and Google and Spotify and our friends at Odyssey as well. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves and at B-Beacon. T-Wolves, of course, has the T in it, Locked on T-Wolves, and then at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Today on the show, I do want to get to some Alex Rodriguez ownership stuff you may have seen on Monday. Um, There was some hand-wringing based on a New York Post article a-Rod, can he pay enough? Can he actually come up with the cash to finish the Timberwolves purchase? I'll talk about that at the end of the show. The spoiler is I'm not worried about it, but I'll talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of it and why I'm not concerned a little bit later. I want to start with Kyle Anderson. Um, I was digging into some additional numbers, uh, you know, a little bit beyond surface level on Kyle Anderson last year with the Memphis Grizzlies, why he was so effective. He had a, a relatively pedestrian start to his career in Memphis, but he was a big part of the Grizzlies massive success last year. I mean, Memphis was really a top three or four team in the league for most of the regular season. And and it's easy to forget that because, well, the Wolves took him to six games somewhat unexpectedly. And I mean, we're really good against Memphis at times in that first round. And then Memphis had a very disappointing second round exit. Uh, But it's easy to forget just how good they were for most of the season, even while John Morant was out and how big of a deal or how big of a part of it Kyle Anderson was. Um, So what, what can we take from his time in Memphis and apply it to Minnesota, which partly tells the story of why the Timberwolves acquired him in free agency this past summer. And also, how will they deploy him? How will head coach, head coach Chris Finch deploy Kyle Anderson this year? And along with that, Torian Prince, in a, a little bit of a trickle-down effect, will see a little bit of a different role this year as well. And so I want to talk about those two guys playing together and the other pieces of the Wolves reserve unit, unit and how they all fit together um, what I think, I think they'll fit together extremely well. So let's, let's talk about that, digging into some of the lineup numbers, some of the, you know, the guys, each of those players played with last year, what that tells us about the upcoming season. First of all, with Kyle Anderson, if you go through and look at the two man and five man lineups, um, with the Memphis Grizzlies last year, Kyle Anderson's best minutes by and large were when he was playing the four, which he did a lot of, um, according to basketball reference, it was something like two-thirds, I believe, of his minutes came at the four last season. I'm going to get the exact number here. Uh, it disappeared on me. But it's something like two-thirds or three-quarters of his minutes were at the four last season with Memphis. Uh, yes, yeah, 62% of his minutes, of Kyle Anderson's minutes, came at the four. So primarily, um, that was with Steven Adams at the five. And a lot of it was with Tyus Jones playing point guard. Um, you look at his two-man lineups. 
his best, Kyle Anderson's best two-man lineup last year with Memphis was with Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson together as a two-man lineup had an 11.1, a plus 11.1 net rating. Um, and by the way, defensively, it was fantastic. His best defensive net rating of any two-man pairing on the Grizzlies was 100.1, which is phenomenal. Um, the Tyus Kyle Anderson pairing was great. His second best two-man pairing was Steven Adams. Of course, uh, in almost every scenario, I would imagine Adams is playing the five, Kyle Anderson's playing the four. Anderson played less than 10% of his minutes last year at the three. But the Adams-Anderson pairing had a six, a plus 6.2 net rating. So what does that mean in regard to his minutes with the Wolves? Well, Steven Adams is more of a traditional center. He's a big-bodied center. He's not a small ball center, obviously. He's not, you know, some of the guys that that uh, Memphis tried out at the five last year. I mean, Kyle Anderson played some minutes at the five. Adams is a, a bigger-bodied, defensive-minded, rebounding center with some offensive skill. Generally speaking, in the same in the same genre of center as Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, all three of them are different from one another in a lot of ways, but they're not small ball centers. They're not like, you know, Towns is at least a bit, even though he is a, a new age center in, the, in in regard to his offensive game and he's not a, really a rim protector at all. Um, he's still a big bodied, effectively a seven footer, you know, good size wingspan, et cetera, can play down low, can play in the post offensively and defensively. Steven Adams is a similar profile in that regard. And if you look at the Timberwolves backup point guard situation, the player that I most often compared Jordan McLaughlin to last year was Tyus Jones. There's a ton of similarities. Tyus Jones has been the league's best assist to turnover ratio guy for basically his entire career. Jordan McLaughlin last year, you'll remember, had that stretch. I believe it got up to almost 60 assists to one turnover, like a stretch where he had 60 assists and only one turnover. I think it ended up in the mid-50s. That was like in January, February of last year. A very Tyus Jones-esque stretch. And obviously, they're both you know small in stature, rather diminutive point guards who are good defensively. I would say Tyus is a little better than McLaughlin. Defensively, Tyus is also now a better three-point shooter, but he wasn't early in his career. Tyus Jones was not a very good three-point shooter until recently. So I would say McLaughlin's a light version of Tyus Jones, certainly. Tyus just got a nice big contract. He's a massive part of what Memphis does. But McLaughlin, the profile of what McLaughlin does is very similar to what Tyus Jones does. And and really, the, the output is very similar to what it was early in Tyus Jones' career. Of course, McLaughlin, an undrafted player, Tyus Jones was a late first-round pick uh, by the Cavaliers, traded to the Wolves on draft night. So there's some similarities there. Kyle Anderson, with the second unit in Memphis, was asked to initiate some offense. He'll be asked to do that in Minnesota with a lower-usage type point guard. In Memphis, it's Tyus. In Minnesota, it's Jordan McLaughlin. He's going to play the four with big centers, and he's going to play alongside a lower-usage point guard like a Jordan McLaughlin. That's a fit in Minnesota. Now, of course, whoever's playing the two and the three, whether it's Anthony Edwards or you know Jalen Noel or whatever that might look like, it's going to be a relatively high-usage guy. I mean, you're going to be on the floor. Anderson's going to be on the floor with one of those guys, most likely, most of the time. I mean, Jaden McDaniels is a little bit of a lower-usage player. But all that to say, Kyle Anderson can initiate offense with that second unit. McLaughlin can can stay off the ball and shoot. They could play uh, Bryn Forbes at the one, or you could play Austin Rivers at the one, who are both, um, uh, you know, I would say better, more consistent shooters than Jordan McLaughlin. So you have some options there if Kyle Anderson is actually going to run the offense with the second unit, which he can do. But the part that was most interesting to me is the success he had with Tyus Jones. Again, a, a I would say a light version 
of Tyus Jones and Jordan McLaughlin in Minnesota. And Steven Adams, a big-bodied five that allowed Kyle Anderson to play the four and do a variety of different things from that position on the floor and not play nearly as much three. Um, so I, those those were the most interesting things about what Kyle Anderson did in Memphis. And if you look at some of his worst lineups, um, we'll do that here in a second. And then also one interesting note about five-man lineups in Memphis last season. And then I want to bring it all back around to talk about Torian Prince a little bit as well, because... I think there's a trickle-down effect of Kyle Anderson's role in Minnesota to what Torian Prince will be asked to do this year by Chris Finch. Um, So we're going to do that here next. First, let's talk about our title sponsors from today's show. And that, of course, is BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Week zero in college football was last week. A number of games already kicked off. There was the Nebraska-Northwestern game uh, that was over in I believe in Ireland, I think it was in Dublin, um, but the Golden Gophers play their first game Thursday night. So this is really week one of college football. And of course, pro football, we're less than two weeks away. I think a week from Thursday is the first NFL game. Um, you can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Again, this week for college is really like the real week one next week for the NFL BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, which are all ongoing. Of course, football kicking off. And then in a couple of weeks, NHL, and a couple of weeks after that, NBA action. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, rounding out the Kyle Anderson conversation. So his best minutes were with were with uh, Stephen Adams and Tyus Jones. His worst minutes came when he played the four with Jaron Jackson Jr. playing the five. And then he also saw some minutes at the three with Brandon Clark at the four. I guess you could kind of, you could fudge those a little bit at times. Perhaps one of those guys was at the five and one was at the four. But generally speaking, two of his worst two-man lineups were two of the better other better rotation guys with Memphis in, in Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark. His, uh, we'll call it his worst two-man lineup because his two worst than that were guys that played less than 60 minutes apiece with Kyle Anderson over the course of the year. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson together were a negative 6.2 last season net rating. Uh, pretty easily Kyle Anderson's worst net rating in a two-man pairing. His second worst was Brandon Clark at minus 4.3. And neither are close. The next one was actually John Morant, which I want to get to in a second, but that was a negative 2.4. So a relatively distant third to last. So second to last, Brandon Clark, minus 4.3 with Kyle Anderson. Last was Jaron Jackson Jr., a minus 6.2 with Kyle Anderson. Now, the trick with two-man lineups is there's some noise there, right? Like I just referenced, some of these lineups, he could have been playing the three, some he could have been playing the four. Um, I guess he's not playing the five if he's out there with Clark and Jaron Jackson, but um, there's some noise here, certainly, and I, I acknowledge that. But it's notable to me that two of his worst, or his two worst two-man lineups were with good players on Memphis. It's just the way that he was deployed and the way that Memphis played with those guys on the floor. Now, John Morant was actually, like I said a minute ago, his third worst two-man pairing, a minus 2.4. And also, when you back, you know, back out several thousand feet and you look at the five-man lineups for Memphis last year, only two of Kyle Anderson's five best lineups 
So two of the five best lineups that the Grizzlies had last year with Kyle Anderson in them had John Morant in them. So three of the three of his top five lineups didn't include John Morant. And then you see here John Morant is actually his third worst two man or yeah, third worst two man lineup pairing. Um that's notable to me because Ja obviously a higher usage guy. We talked already about why Kyle Anderson is such a good fit at the four for the Wolves. Um and it kind of leads into my next thought, which is what does this do to Torian Prince? Um, you know, setting aside the Torian Prince legal stuff we talked about last week, who knows at this point, but it seems pretty likely that it doesn't impact the season for Torian Prince. So we'll act here as if it's not going to. Uh, but Torian Prince last year, his worst lineups uh, came when he was matched uh, on the floor with Jaden McDaniels. Often Jaden McDaniels would be playing the three in these lineups and Torian Prince playing the four because Chris Finch liked McDaniels at the three. He liked the size. Of course, McDaniels will likely start at the three this year. Um, Torian Prince played a lot of four last year. Torian Prince's best minutes with the Wolves have been at the three, not at the four. Um, and again, I'll, I'll reiterate that his worst lineup, Torian Prince's worst lineup with the with the Wolves last year, throwing out the Nate Knight lineup, which was 40 minutes, over the course of the season, he played 384 minutes with Jaden McDaniels, and it was a minus 5.3. Um, so his worst two-man lineup was Jaden McDaniels. His best two-man lineups were with Jared Vanderbilt. One with Actually, his best one was with Jalen Noel. His second best was with Jared Vanderbilt, and his third best was with Jordan McLaughlin. Now, two of those three guys are going to be on this year's second unit. Jalen Noel will be the primary, I think, kind of scorer off the bench at the two play some, you know, initiate some offense too, uh, whether he's actually playing the one or if he's, I think he's more going to play the two and, and initiate offense. Jared Vanderbilt, who's being effectively replaced by Kyle Anderson, more on that in a second, and Jordan McLaughlin, who will run the second unit at times this year. So I think Kyle Anderson is a more versatile version of Jared Vanderbilt. They're not similar players, but he's taking that role on, right? Vando was in the starting lineup last year. He's gone. That bumps McDaniels into the starting lineup. Obviously, Gobert into the starting lineup. McDaniels becomes a three that runs with the starters. The Vanderbilt role in, in that basically the primary four is being absorbed by Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson can do a lot more with the ball in his hands. Kyle Anderson is a more versatile defender than Jared Vanderbilt. Um, but that means that Prince can play the three and be comfortable there with perhaps Noel at the two, McLaughlin at the one, two of his best pairings from last year, Anderson subbing in for Vanderbilt. And those right there are his three best two-man lineups from last year. He's probably not going to play a lot with Jade McDaniels because I think he'll primarily be McDaniels back up at the three. Of course, this is not as clean as like a, a you know, it's football season. So a, a, a two-man depth chart or a three-man depth chart in the NFL, if you look at everybody's two deeps or three deeps, uh, it's not that clean in the NBA, right? There's enough, um, uh, you know, versatility in a lot of these guys where it's not it's not clean. But if I was to make a a, a two deep depth chart, Torian Prince is the backup three behind Jaden McDaniels. They're not going to play a ton of minutes together because Finch wants to play big. That means McDaniels at the three in the starting lineup, Towns at the four, Gobert at the five off the bench. That means uh, Torian Prince at the three instead of where he was so often last year at the four. It allows you to put Kyle Anderson at the four and then either, you know, staggering Gobert and Towns at the five. We'll see a ton of that. And then Nas Reed basic ornate night, I guess, depending on matchups being your next line of defense when it comes to fives. But that allows the Wolves to play big. It allows you to put Prince at the three instead of the four and maintain some of that flexibility if you do need to make some tweaks. Um, it, it, again, a versatile roster to be sure. But 
it's that trickle down effect of getting a, a talented four that can do multiple things that allows you to slide other guys into better roles that is roles that better suit them. And in this case, that's Torian Prince at the three and not at the four. Um, so Kyle Anderson's presence in a Timberwolves uniform will be positive in a number of ways. Um, you know, I, I think he's such a good fit with with the Wolves roster, like we talked about last segment, based on what he did in Memphis with that with that personnel grouping. And I think he'll allow Prince to be more effective as a three this year as well. All right, we'll close the show here today by talking some ownership. There's a bit of A-Rod news, so we're going to get to that here next. All right. So on Monday, there was a New York Post report that came out with a very SEO friendly headline about uh, Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez, who made her way into this article. The headline of the article at New York at the New York Post is how Jennifer Lopez breakup Jeff. Let me let me try reading that with better inflection. How Jennifer Lopez breakup jeopardizes Alex Rodriguez's one point five billion dollar Timberwolves deal. Now, I'm not going to read this article. It's the New York Post. It's exactly what it sounds like. It, they want you to click on this article. Um, I'll, hit, I'll hit the cliff notes for you. Uh, basically, this article is saying that Alex Rodriguez is supposed to split, of course, the ownership share with Mark Laurie. The share they have in the Timberwolves, they're supposed to split it evenly, but he wasn't able to make his initial full payment. Remember, they made a $250 million down payment last summer, July 2021, when they officially took 20% of the team. They're supposed to get another 20% in December, December 31st, by December 31st of this year, 2022. Reportedly, this is the only piece of the article that's new information, to, to my knowledge, is that of that first 20%, that $250 million, Rodriguez could not fork over that cash last summer. And so Lori covered it. So technically right now, instead of, well, the Lori Rodriguez group owns 20%, Lori actually owns 13% and A-Rod only owns 7%. Again, this is according to the New York Post who cites what they call three sources close to the situation. So Lori has 13%, A-Rod has seven together. Of course, that means they have 20, which was the plan. Another 20% is supposed to come up in December of this year. So the rest of this article goes on to say that basically A-Rod lost a lot of his financial clout uh, by, you know, when he and J-Lo broke up last year. Of course, J-Lo is now married to Ben Affleck. It's a whole thing. But basically, this this article is saying that A-Rod doesn't have the cash. He doesn't have the liquidity to come up with the cash because even if he's got a billion in assets, only a couple hundred million are actually, or a few hundred million are actually liquid, right? That where he can actually say, here's the cash for the sale. The NBA has some stipulations and some regulations in place, uh, rightfully so, to make sure that you have the liquidity to be a legit owner. Um, and so there's some concern apparently with A-Rod coming up with the money. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be concerned because as long as Lori continues to, to kind of hold up more than his end of the bargain and also cover for A-Rod, this sale's still going to happen. Mark Lori's a billionaire. He's got the money. And they don't need to come up with it until December. That's four months from now, almost exactly, is the deadline. So um, actually, yeah, four months from today is the deadline, from the 31st, December 31st. So A-Rod's got time to come up with the cash. If he doesn't, Lori's got time to do it. The article goes on to talk about how Glenn Taylor isn't too worried because basically the team is worth even more now and he could go sell it to someone else. The Wolves didn't return calls for comment. I don't blame them. 
this seems to be much ado about nothing. It's it's an interesting tidbit to be sure that that technically A Rod only owns seven percent, but that's the only new information. Again, this is the the schedule's not off in terms of the the purchase schedule to to, to take over a majority ownership of the Wolves. Because remember, another twenty percent in December that gets Lori Rodriguez to forty percent. And then they're supposed to take majority ownership by the end of 2023. So we're still 16 months away from the majority ownership actually going to Lori and Rodriguez. And every time Glenn Taylor's spoken publicly, he said, and even just a few weeks ago, he was on the Scoop podcast with Darren Wolfson and talked about everything's on schedule, et cetera, et cetera. So there's really no concern here. It's just an interesting piece of information. I guess it'll be something to keep an eye on as we get to December. But I don't think Mark Lori's going to like... I think it's up to Lori, right? I don't think there's anything that says that within this group, they have to actually be 50-50. That would seem to be a gentleman's agreement or perhaps an actual contract between Lori and Rodriguez as individuals and not necessarily with Glenn Taylor. Ta- Glenn doesn't care if it ends up being 30% Mark Lori and 10% Alex Rodriguez among that 40. I don't think, I don't know why he would, as long as Glenn's still making the sale and the group is still purchasing, then it then it shouldn't seem to matter. So I think this is much to do about nothing. I think it's just a, you know, hey, click this article. Interesting tidbit of information related to the actual breakdown in in terms of stake, you know, uh, actual stake in the team, but nothing to be wringing your hands about and nothing to uh, be concerned with, certainly until December and probably very likely beyond that. So, um, but anyway, that's out there. Don't be alarmed if you see the headline. Keep an eye on it here in the next few months, but don't uh, don't be concerned now. All right, that's all we have for today here on the show. We'll have a show again on Friday next week as well, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're only a couple of weeks out from going daily once again as we gear up for media day and training camp just around the corner. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It is greatly appreciated. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, please like the video, comment, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and uh, of course, subscribe to all the other fantastic Lockdown shows. If you listen on Apple, please help us with a review. Um, you know, you can also find this show anywhere else, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves, and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K. Ian. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. As long as you're making us your first listen, a reminder that you can make your second listen, Locked On NBA. And also right now, I should remind you about the Ultimate Pro Football Preview. Go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets are all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.